Hey, sexy tackies. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode two of our podcast. We're doing this again. We did it again. (laughs) Well, after that reception for our first episode, how could we not? (laughs) Resounding. Yeah, so here we are. I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the feeling of nostalgia is huge right now in the business world. There's a lot of companies using nostalgia marketing. Yeah, um, it's very popular. It works very well on me. I think it's one of the best. (laughs) I, I like to think that like ads don't have very much of an effect on me, but if any of them do... Um, it's the ones that trigger memories from childhood or, you know, what we all consider like the good old days. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Like, I I think so nostalgia, when you think about it, it's like this, this twinge, this feeling in your heart that transports you back to a really significant time in your life. And it can be triggered by smells, song, music, um, visual cues that really takes you back. So, You know, you look at some brands that use nostalgia marketing and there's different ways that businesses and brands can do nostalgia marketing. There's like retro product designs. So, you know, like Nike re-releasing their original designs, um, take some like sneakerheads back to um, like the old, old school Nike. There's bars that do like a throwback to like the Sandlot times and then they'll have like the Sandlot guys like come back and it's just like very like 50s or 60s. Mm, I don't remember, but I see those guys on social media and I get the feeling they love anytime anybody references the Sandlot or anytime they can do any sort of event. It's their their, glory days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it takes them back. But when it comes to like marketing uh, around a specific time period, it makes me think of some companies that have those nostalgic commercials that bring you back to like different holidays. You know, Publix does a really great job around the holiday Christmas time, having everybody around the table and all cooking together. Yeah, I usually look over and see you crying during yeah. those commercials. <laughs> Always that and Hallmark. And <laughs> yeah, and so when I think about the business of nostalgia, I um, one company like really came to mind that I, I wanted to like do some more research on, but that was, do you remember time hop the app? Yes. Although I don't know if I had the app or I'm just thinking of like a Facebook feature. Yeah. But so time hop was before Facebook memories, just to put that out there, they were the original creators of having a social media presence about looking backwards instead of what all social media was about at the time, which was what I'm doing right now, like what I'm currently doing. I mean, your newsfeed is built off of what currently is happening. If you, you know, anything that happened an hour ago is already at the bottom of your newsfeed. So, right. So this is the first thing that, you know, allowed people to look back at what they were doing. So yeah, in like an easy sort of way, because right. I mean, we had Facebook we were in college when Facebook well, like launched right. and we were probably one of the first 10 or 20 schools uh, that Facebook launched at. So thinking back, we've had Facebook since 2003 or four, whenever it launched 2004, I think. Yeah. So just with the number of pictures and wall posts yeah. and <laughs> whatever else status message updates that you used to do, it's almost impossible to go back and look at that stuff. And certainly nobody right. does it uh, or, you know, very few people do it purposefully yeah no it's it's super cool I mean I want to just kind of spotlight how time hop came about because this guy so Jonathan Wegner it was the founder and creator of time hop and 
just looking back at some of the things that he did um, earlier on, he's just this really creative genius. So he graduated from Columbia University, but before all of that, you know, he was always so passionate about programming, about, you know, writing code, developing websites for just really random but like creative things so for instance like when he was like in high school or college he wrote a website to help people download South Park bootleg episodes when South Park first came out Um, but also in high school he started a website and apparently it's still active today it's called stopthespin.org and it's a nonprofit dedicated to stopping the rotation of the earth <laughs> by organizing everyone with a car to get in their vehicle at the same time and like just go full force in one direction east maybe or something like that to like stop the spin to the west i don't it's it's so ridiculous and so random it's a random. shame it never took off <laughs> he just like thought of these things so yeah so he you know he went to columbia university he he was really big into like startups and um, his one big project that kind of took off was in 2009. So shortly after he had graduated, um, he came up with an app called Exit Strategy, which helps New York subway passengers know where to stand on the train to like effectively get on and off where you need to be for I would love exit. that. I know. Like right? anytime I get on any sort of mass transit or I mean, even taking the shuttle in the airport from like the the main terminal yes. to like the, the other terminals, all I think about is where to stand uh, before getting on and then where to stand once you're on to make the easiest, like cleanest exit to the TSA or whatever. Absolutely. I know. I think it's it's genius. And it's something that I'm sure as he was riding the subway, like he's just probably wired the way you and I are that we just want to plan ahead as to like where the escalator is be, you know. Oh, yeah, that would be it's right up my alley. <laughs> and, and, he, and he did it in such a genius way. You know, like he it, it was his first business that he started um, he, it, and it just went like in seven months, he went from this idea to a launch where um, he just kind of put together this whole press kit with images and he had, I guess, one contact kind of do a write up about him. Um, but it had like his website had a whole press kit with it and, um, he went to bed and by the time he woke up, it was covered by so many different like tech media outlets because he just kind of made it easy for them to like spread, like spread spread the, the word without really having to interview him or anything because all the information was already there. Um, well, so then two years later, he had the idea for Time Hop. He saw like how successful like one of his own really creative ideas can happen. So he built the idea at a, a hackathon at Foursquare. Do you remember Foursquare? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's I like, never used it, but um, I had some friends that did and they loved it for checking in a little while <laughs> right so you know there was a, a hackathon at foursquare which i i'm not in the industry so i didn't know what hackathon meant but yeah people get together and write code and work on projects um there's usually they're supposed to it's supposed to be a brand new project they start that day and then they get a certain amount of time they basically all, they stay there overnight usually maybe it's 24 hours and whoever you know they judge at the end whoever comes up with the best project sometimes they're themed sometimes they're not yeah uh, some whoever you know, comes up with the best project that by the end of it wins. Right. Yeah. And so what Time Hop started as was this whole concept of like a ghost version of yourself that you friend 
from the past, basically. So like you friend a past version of you and then it tells you what you were doing like two years ago on that day, you know, things like that. But then it just got too like complex and, and crazy. And it just evolved then into a daily email to you on what you did two years ago that day or whatever but they had found that it like interest grew so quickly that um and the open and click rates of these emails were really consistent and like engagement was so high that they quickly turned it into an app and this app like posts directly as an image onto facebook with the branding and a photo so um, it became a, a really popular thing. The first angel investors were f- Foursquare founders and then other Foursquare investors. And then within the next four years since it was launched, TimeHop was one of the top 50 U.S. iPhone apps downloaded um, with 15 million registered users, 7 million of which opened the app daily. So that is some consistent Yeah, that's pretty stuff. cool. Other sites then you know, hopped onto the bandwagon of nostalgia and Facebook created memories. Google introduced the rediscover this day feature in their photos. Um, And then ultimately, like in 2018, um, Jonathan stepped down as a CEO. TimeHop went through a major data breach and lost a lot of its users. But just this year, um, you know, that online party planning platform Punchbowl? Yeah. Yeah. So they acquired time hop so time hop still exists yeah that's cool it's a little different from like the random nostalgia though that you get when you're Mm. out and about Mm. like you know it's to me it's a slightly different feeling from like when you just happen to smell something that reminds you of you know something from your past like childhood or something like that or you hear a song and you are taken back to like the first time that you heard that song um even though you maybe you haven't heard that song in 20 years or whatever yeah. Um, it's kind of like that, but it's not quite as cool. I don't know though. Me. When when my time hops and this says a lot about just how much in the trends I am. Um, but when my time hops come up, it definitely triggers something in me because I'm seeing my tragic outfits, my you know side sweat bangs at the time, or even just I wear the same clothes and yeah. have the same haircut <laughs> really... that I had since high school, so I don't have to deal with any of that. You are timeless. Yes. I, on the other hand, so I read about a study on nostalgia actually, and they had a group of random participants, and they played songs for each of them Ooh. that they like they created a playlist of old songs that, that these people liked yeah. and they surveyed them before and after and what they found was afterwards they had a boost in self-esteem mm. as well as optimism almost like reminding them of some of their happier memories from the past made them more optimistic about their future oh my gosh yeah i thought that was really interesting i that must be why when I really need to like hunker down and like get a lot of work done. I choose to put on an NSYNC playlist because it probably gets me more like optimistic and excited and just like in a better mood maybe. I mean, it makes sense. The the research (laughs) supports it. Okay, so think back to Ponce de Leon. Do you remember him from history class? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, what do you remember about him? Fountain of Youth. Yes, Uh, which may or may not be entirely a myth that he was searching for the fountain of youth. Um, kind of heard that, yeah. Yeah, but that's what we learned in history class. So he, I think it was in the 1500s, um, he supposedly was out looking for this mythical fountain of youth. 
in St. Augustine, Florida, yes. right? That's where yeah, that's, allegedly he thought that it was, right. uh, that, that they would find it. That's where everyone's drinking from. Okay, so there's been a lot of cool stuff in the news lately about startups that are trying to either prolong our lifespans, the human lifespan, or reverse aging, basically. Um, they're kind of called these live forever startups. So these billionaires, basically, or at least hundreds of millionaires, are funding several startups that are trying to essentially find the fountain of youth no. um, without actually finding a physical location where there's water that will make you live forever. But they are funding oh. these companies that are doing a lot of research into different ways to extend our lifespans oh, okay. um, or even reverse aging. Oh. Which is pretty cool. Tell me more. Yeah. So one of the companies is called Retro Biosciences. Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI, He's a former partner and uh, also former president of Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. um, he invested $180 million himself into this company, uh, which is the entire round of like, that's all of their funding that they've received wow. so far. Their goal, at least at the onset, is to try and add an average of 10 years to the human lifespan. Wow, 10 years. How are they doing that? Well, they're, they're trying to at this point. Um, they've only been at it for, I think, a few years, but they've got enough funding to take them to 2030. But what I found really interesting was what got Sam Altman excited about this space was reading articles about how some scientists had taken an old mouse and a young mouse and they sewed them together. And by being together, so they were transferring blood, like young blood and old blood, the older mouse started to have characteristics of a, of a younger mouse. No. So essentially, he kind of reverse aged by cycling with the younger mouse. That's a pretty... That's probably not something that humans would be up for. <laughs> Being uh, sewn together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're, you know, obviously that, that's not what they're trying to do. But another study was also done where they replaced the plasma in older mice mm. with salt water and albumin mm -hmm. and it had the same effects that's insane so what they posit is that by removing some of that old plasma even just replacing it with other substances right. um had a had a positive effect on aging and and sort of reversing the aging process are we talking like physical aging signs like crow's feet and wrinkles or are we talking like you know heart health and things like that I'm not sure how they measured it in the mice. <laughs> Wrinkly mice. But I do have... So there's another founder. So this guy, Brian Johnson, he was the founder of Braintree, which was a payments platform. They sold to PayPal for, I think it was $800 million about 10 years ago, 2013. Um, so he he's kind of a fanatic in this um, reverse aging uh, trend. Th this year, I guess he's on track to spend $2 million trying to reverse his biological age. He takes over a hundred supplements a day. He keeps track of every calorie that he takes in. And he says that not one calorie that he consumes doesn't serve a purpose. Uh, so he takes it to the extreme. Right. He, he also eats, his meal schedules are nuts. Like he, he eats his last meal of the day by 11 in the morning. He's done eating. No. By 11 a.m. Mm -mm. Hangry, hangry. I can't. <laughs> I guess it works for him. So he says, to answer your question, that this program has helped him restore his heart to that of a 37-year-old. He is 
45, I believe, mm. tightened his skin to that of a 28-year-old. Get out. Although I saw a picture of him. It looks more like Botox to me than um, <laughs> a, like a, a normal 28-year-old skin um, and brought his lung capacity back to that of an 18-year-old. Okay. So it's both in, internal and external aging fixes. I don't know. I don't know if I would trade smooth skin for being hangry. I don't think you'd want me to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, he doesn't say that he's hangry. I think he's, you know, he's figured out how to do this correctly. He, he also eats an insane amount of vegetables. I think almost all of his food comes from vegetables. Okay. I mean, I could do that. Eh. I, I don't think I could do that. I, know, I really like steak. I mean, part of this is quality of life, right? It would have to be a significant number of years, right? To impact your to impact your quality of life to that degree where you're not enjoying. And maybe he enjoys this stuff. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't enjoy eating all my meals by 11 a.m. There were like um, 10 more years of just vegetables for you. No, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but there's other companies. So Altos Labs raised $3 billion in funding in 2022. Jeff Bezos founder of Amazon, is an investor in that company. Their mission is to restore cell health and resilience through cellular cellular rejuvenation programming to reverse disease, injury, and the disabilities that can occur throughout life, which is a pretty lofty ambition, that but it sounds is. awesome. Yeah. Um, Calico Labs is another one. It's like a unit of Alphabet, Google's parent company. They've raised $2.5 billion in funding. Um, so there's all these companies out there experimenting and researching ways to reverse aging. And um, it's not surprising that they're, you know, these billionaires are interested in this. You know, if I had a billion dollars, I think I'd want to live forever, too. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, I know. I mean, my goodness. Of course, I'm like going on their websites and looking at everyone's headshots to see if they all look like they're 20 something. <laughs> But I know they're just starting out. So maybe they'll have more recent headshots come up. Yeah. No, but this is fascinating to me. I mean, I think it also raises some really interesting questions. Like when you think about what could go wrong, right? Like, <laughs> like, like what could what go could wrong What could possibly here? go wrong? <laughs> so one thing that I'm thinking is like, and they're, they're, they're not, they're trying to not make this, at least the first company that I mentioned, Retro Biosciences, their CEO said, we don't want to discriminate, discriminate against billionaires, but we don't want therapies that are super expensive and awkward and difficult to implement. I'm par that was paraphrasing, but basically they're, they're not trying to create something that's super expensive that only the, you know, right. the, the, the rich. hyper rich can afford. Right. I think they're trying to create something that's easy to take, you know, yeah. obviously you don't have to. They don't want you to have to be sewn to another human right. to, to, yeah. or even get like replace your plasma every once in a while. I don't think mm -hmm. they want to, you know, I think they want it to be simpler than that. Mm -hmm. But so that's one, like what if this is something where like only the very rich can can afford? And it makes me think of that TV show uh, Upload, you know, that TV oh, show yes. Upload. That's yeah. sort of a right. that's sort yeah. of a take on this, right? Live yeah. forever. I mean, in that TV show, they, you're living forever in like a v virtual reality right. type world, but you still have your consciousness, like your, yeah, your, your consciousness, which is all you really need. Right. Um, so I think they can put you in whatever body you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're basically living in a video game. Oh, it's so crazy, that show. Yeah. But, and then the, the more wealthy you are, you can upgrade to like different packages. Yeah. Of, the of more stuff you lifestyle. can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like you're at a resort versus if you're, you know, if you're poor, you either can't even afford this at all right. and you just die a natural death or... Right. Or you're basically in prison right. when you get up there. Uh, yeah. It looked like they were kind of in a prison cell. I remember that show. How many seasons was that show? I think it's been two and I'm really waiting for the third. Seriously, uh, is that coming back? It, like <laughs> uh, Google tells me it's coming back eventually. Uh, I think later this year. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. You're welcome, Jeff Bezos. Um, 
another thing though is like if we have all these people living forever think about our natural resources Mm. so we already have a limited supply of these things there's already people in this world that are living in extreme poverty because they don't have water Uh, they don't have clean water access to clean water they don't have enough food to eat there's not enough land you know eventually we're going to run out of land we're going to run out of space for all these people so what would birth rates have to be i mean birth rates would have to be zero right eventually if everybody were to live forever Um, and and it's i mean not to say that that's exactly what these startups are trying to do it's it's i think it's kind of the end goal but you know if they're saying they're really trying to reverse aging if if you can really reverse aging then that means you shouldn't really never die except by non-natural causes well even benjamin button died he he I don't think you want to reverse aging that far. <laughs> I'm just saying like, yeah, how far are we going with these like plasma infusions and whatever? I think I'd like to be 21 again. I'll take 21. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if like, you could reverse back to the age. You'd say 21? Well, no, I mean, that's actually like if I was if I were to reverse back to that age and like that time of life. But like yeah. in this case, you're just reversing back to a biological age. You're still, you're still going to have your, right. you know, you're your responsibilities have and, and yeah. having to save for your 401k. I don't think college is going to take me back <laughs> and I don't think I could afford it. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, like it also raises some ethical questions, which I think are pretty interesting. Like I'm thinking of prisoners, they're serving a life sentence mm. and now we can no, allow geez. everybody to live forever. Do you have to make these resources available to prisoners? I feel like you can't be like grandfathered into that. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like this was their this was their punishment when they were when they were sentenced to it. There was no live forever clause in there, so you can't just like add that in as a bonus. Maybe they can be like retried or something. Well, what about prisoners after this exists, though? Okay, yeah. So they're they're gonna have to be like, okay, you have a life sentence or a life sentence live forever clause. You know, <laughs> I think there's gonna be different stages now. I don't know that. Would you want to, would you want to live forever? Uh, I thought about that a lot as part of this, the research for this and, and it wasn't enough. Like I, yeah. I that's, a, you know, that's, that's a difficult question. I mean, I guess it depends on the quality of your life and, and the people around you that also choose to live forever. I, I think it's going to be a long time until, you know, we can. Buy. Yeah. We need flying cars first. Right. There's so many things we need first. <laughs> Okay, May, what's the one thing Americans may love even more than a Taylor Swift concert? Hot dogs, french fries, hamburgers. Sorry, I'm hungry. (laughs) What about sex? Oh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Apparently sex without birth control. Because did you know that about 50% of all pregnancies in the U.S. are unplanned? Oh, yeah. Okay, I I bet. Now, that's a problem now, but... Imagine how big of a problem that is in a world where humans are going to live much longer, never mind forever. Yeah, right. Okay, so basically we have two options. One is force people to have less sex, which I don't think is going to happen. Mm-mm, not as long as there's men running around the earth, no. Okay, so the other option, and this is something relevant today, not just you know when people live forever, is we need advancements in contraceptives. And when I think of like a stodgy old industry that like really hasn't seen much innovation in a while at least from the male perspective right so i think the condom was invented in the 1800s uh and and of course you know 
was modified since then and is, is better, but it's still a condom. <laughs> uh, the vasectomy was first performed in... I would hate to be the first patient. <laughs> 1899, wow. um, with experiments dating back to 1785. Yes, I would not want to be experimented on oh, for a vasectomy. No, thank you. Tubal ligation or, you know, getting your tubes tied, mm-hmm. I think was also from the first done in the 1800s, late 1800s. So, you know, these things have been around a long time. And did you know that there are 18 methods of female birth control that are required to be covered by the Affordable Care Act in our health insurance plans? Well, I'm glad that they're all going to be covered, but 18. They are. Yeah, no, they already are. 18. So I didn't even know there were that many different methods of birth control. I feel like if I thought about it, I could name them all, but... How many do you think are covered for men? For men? Mm Mm-hmm. How many methods of birth control? I, all I know, well, I know. Yeah, how con- many can you think of? I know condoms are not covered, but they should be. <laughs> I mean, and vasectomies sh- absolutely should be. Are they not? Neither. No, there are no methods of birth control for men that are covered. Um, and I, I did some research on this, and uh, I think I understand why from in a very convoluted sense. Like, I understand the definition of why, but I don't understand the logic, like the reasoning behind why. So vasectomies are not considered preventive service for women since the treatment is for men. Stop. And since the woman is the one in the relationship that actually gets pregnant, you can't treat the man to prevent the pregnancy. Okay, but you know pregnancy has a part of a man. (laughs) I'm just telling you what I think they're saying as the reason why male contraceptives are not covered by the Affordable Care Act. And it makes absolutely no sense. No. But anyway. Because is there another purpose to getting a vasectomy besides contraception, like not getting pregnant? Not that I can think of. <laughs> you neither, so. Some sort of really sick <laughs> fetish. <laughs> the vasectomy only fans. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been a really interesting innovation or at least the promise of an interesting innovation in the male contraceptives market okay that's exciting it is so as we covered right now there are essentially two options for men uh condoms Mm -hmm. and vasectomies yeah right other than that it's entirely up to the female partner uh to prevent a pregnancy that is a lot of a lot of responsibility. responsibility right yeah and the the two options that men have one of them is not that great. Nobody, you know, especially mar- married adults, nobody really cares for condoms, right? Like that's not a thing that most married couples use. And I'm just using married couples because usually you don't have to worry about sexually transmitted right. infections or diseases um, as a married couple. So you're not concerned about that aspect of a condom and like the protection that it offers. You really just care about not getting pregnant when you don't want to. Right, right. And then the other option is a vasectomy. Uh, vasectomies are actually incredibly effective, relatively cheap. Um, oh. I think they're, you know, $600 or so. No uh, way. On, on average. Yeah. You know, relatively safe procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, the Although from the research, there's somewhere between a 2 and 16% chance of developing some sort of chronic pain uh, oh. from a vasectomy. Oh, poor babies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, and, and it's also just, you know, not something that every man wants to do. Right. So I was doing some research on this because I was thinking to myself, what if I could take a pill that, that could prevent me from impregnating my beautiful wife <laughs> so that she didn't so that I didn't always have to remind her to take a pill? It is so <laughs> daunting. Yes. And I do realize that there's 17 other ways that like I could prevent, but 
again, the, the onus is on me and I have way too much on in my head already and on my plate to think about that. So yeah, do it. What is it? <laughs> All right. So a team that was funded by the NIH okay. developed a compound, which is taken by males. And what it does is, so, you know, when, when a male ejaculates, what the sperm does is they begin beating their tails right. vigorously, yeah. right? Yeah. To try and find their home, yes. uh, their new home. Yes. So <laughs> that hopefully one of them can reach the egg, you know, swim upstream, fertilize that egg. So what's been discovered is there's this enzyme called soluble adenylyl cyclase, SAC. We'll just call it SAC because I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. That enzyme is actually needed to trigger this behavior of the beating of the tail. Okay. So okay. without that enzyme, the tail can't beat. Okay. So there are actually some men who are infertile naturally because they lack that mm, enzyme. Okay. Okay. So what this team did is they developed this compound, which essentially disables inactivates yeah. the SAC. So the sperm cannot wag their little tails Aww. and make it to the egg. Um, and what they did is they tested this in male mice. We're always talking about mice. Um, <laughs> there, there are little test subjects God for some reason. Mice. Before they paired with a female, you know, before they both... They both swiped right. They, they did. <laughs> they, they both swiped right. Um, Those little cheeky mice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting, their, getting their mouse on. <laughs> exactly. And so they were still able to enjoy it. They, there were no, uh, there oh, were no impacts. Yes. Oh, God. No, the mice did not report any impacts on their sexual performance, no. neither the male or the female, because uh, I think they surveyed them afterwards. Yes, right. <laughs> and what they found was that the sperm remained immobile after the male mice, um, you know, ingested this compound. So the sperm could not make their way up to the egg. None of the females in the test group got pregnant. Okay. While 30% of the females in the control group got pregnant. Wow. And the, uh, you know, the other cool thing about this is what they found was fertility was restored only 24 hours after stopping treatment. Thank so okay. all they, all you got to do as a, as a little male mouse is mm -hmm. pop one of these pills. Okay. I don't know exactly how far before you want to get it on, but you got to pop one of these pills. Okay. This is not, it, it, and it's also cool because it's not hormonal. It doesn't affect their hormones. Mm. And it's not something they have to be taking for a long period of time because apparently there are other treatments in the works that require months of being on it before it becomes effective. Right. And same with stopping it. You know, you might have to be off it for yeah. a few months before you can become fertile again. This is so literally like pop a Tic Tac. Yeah. Um, you know, freshen your breath. Yeah, it should be minty flavored too, just for, you know, everything. Because you're, you're about to get yeah. it on, you want Numb a those, breath mint. Yeah, exactly. And, and like That's true. No, no tail waggers. Numb yeah. those tails so they yeah. can't wag, yeah. you know. And um, so it, it's really interesting. There are so far as of yet no safety concerns um, that they've seen in the mice. This is still very far from making it to human trials or anything, but it's a good thing. I mean, I would definitely consider this type of birth control um it's non-permanent um like a vasectomy is considered a permanent form of birth control even though it's reversible. technically reversible mm -hmm. um the the statistics show that really only about 50 percent of the time does the reversal actually allow you to impregnate a woman again okay so what do you what do you think about this w would you support your male partner <laughs> that you're looking at choosing this form of birth control over a vasectomy i mean honestly if it worked absolutely i have questions though like so so i'm envisioning this like this mass of sperm just like floating in, in like gelatinous pool like not really moving but like 
what if like one accidentally bumps into the egg like without swimming like how how do we know that this is ex- like 100 percent preventable love, you know like- i love your questions because <laughs> like i read a, a like a research paper and they didn't answer that question in the paper <laughs> they don't have the visual that's going on in my head no I, I thought the same thing though and i'm sure some of our listeners are thinking it too it's like wait so what if you just like what if you lay down in such a way that like they just sort of like floated to the egg? Right. Could they they're not like, make their way in? They're like bobbing along. I think, you know, isn't there, I, I, I have to remember back, but I think in order to break their way into the egg, they you need, need the to, tail. yeah, it's, it's like, like with force. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can't just, bump there's a barrier there, yeah, right? Yeah. You can't just bump into it and get pregnant. I think you got to make right. your way through that barrier. Right. And like, I, you can't just bump into me and I get pregnant. Like, even if your sperm was like working. Like, no. So absolutely. I mean, honestly, because yes, because there's no 100% guarantee with a vasectomy and it is more of a permanent. Yeah. And an invasive procedure. You, they like to say minimally invasive, but I but mean, c- compared the, to a, you know, getting your tubes tied, it's definitely minimally invasive. Right. But it's still invasive nonetheless. Sure. Yeah, I would agree. Oh, you know, over taking a Tic Tac and and then and stopping the, the tail wags. So, yeah, I mean, if you, and again, that does put the onus on not just the woman to worry about not getting pregnant, but it shows shows character in the man that I care about you that I don't want you to get pregnant if you don't want to I would gladly take on some of that responsibility yes well I know because you you get all worried you're like did you take your pill and (laughs) any any man should take on that responsibility right like it's it's the way that birth control has been and the reason why there are at least part of the reason why there are 18 methods of birth control for females and two for men is that throughout history preventing birth has been looked at as the woman's responsibility and that's the way, I mean, that's the way that the ACA looks at it too, um, by only covering female methods of birth control. So, I mean, I think if there were methods of birth control available for men that are, you know, comparable to, to what's available for women, um, right. I don't want, I don't want an IUD or anything like that, no. but I will take a pill gladly. Right. I know. I mean, look, it takes two to tango. And if... <laughs> yes. For the partner's willing to, <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this analogy. But yes, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, making a baby is a partnership. Preventing a baby is also a partnership. So I think that's that's great. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up the NIH tomorrow <laughs> and we will get this thing done. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to donate $10 to the research on yeah. this pill. You're on their list. <laughs> It's time to name our hot mom of the week. We need like sound effects like pew, pew. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a theme song for the hot mom of the week. Yeah. Like an intro. Yeah. So I really loved the topic of the business of nostalgia that we talked about. You know, things that I, that make me really nostalgic. Um, it was an exciting topic for me. I follow so many social media accounts um, that post nostalgic humor content. Um, I didn't even know that was a category until it, you told me. The algorithm has totally targeted me. I mean, I think because maybe like one of the first people that I followed were like NSYNC members, Backstreet Boys members, uh, New Kids on the Block members, they knew exactly 
who they were dealing with. You know, the algorithm was like, okay, like pop culture nostalgia, here here you go. And so all these awesome content creators started popping up on like my TikToks and my Instagram. But um, to think of the hot mom of the week, I would definitely think uh, Chrissy Allen. So she, her handle is CSA Punch on both TikTok and Instagram. She is a San Diego area mom, content creator, and I just found this out. Apparently, she's also a dentist. Um, and her posts center around um, nostalgia, zenial music, so elder millennial. So, like, she's she's speaking my language. Um, you know, all the throwbacks to the the club music that we like thought we were so cool dancing to back in the day. Um, <laughs> Tony, not me. Tony never danced not me. to that. No, well, even if I did, I didn't think I was so cool doing it. <laughs> Um, but one of, like, one of her, you know, most liked posts is, um, it was something like, why do today's songs sound so familiar? And she does like this juxtaposition between songs that use the same riff as, um, songs that like were our jam back in the day. Yeah. So there's one song and like, I don't even know the songs of today that they're referencing, but you know, they they have the same riffs as like Mariah Carey's uh, fantasy, like sweet, sweet fantasy, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's also another one with, I think, um, jump around, jump around. And, you know, that little like in the background. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> am, I doing, am I doing these songs justice? I don't know. But, it, you know, and, and when you hear these songs, it just gets like your head like bopping and beating. So I, I just love her content. Um, and she also does things that's like not necessarily like music throwbacks. Like she'll just do this random like humorous thing. It's like, remember when we used to like talk like an alien through an electric fan? <laughs> it's like things that we used to do when we were younger that didn't make any sense. Or like how it's like, remember when you made your S's like this and it would be the three lines and then you connect them to make that bubble oh, S yeah. that like everyone did. I don't know. So she she posts about that stuff. And I, I think she's so funny. So I definitely would highlight her as our hot mom of the week. Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button. And reach out on social media. Dot coms. And hot moms. Signing off. Signing off.